This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Ron. My family and I lived in Niagara Falls, Ontario for 14 years. We love it there. There's so much to see and so much to do. Between 12 and 13 million visitors come to Niagara Falls every year. And among that crowd, there are some crazies. (laughs) On June 15, 2012, a guy by the name of Nick Walenda successfully walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Remember that? On a high wire. It was crazy. It was the first time in 128 years that the Niagara Parks Commission gave approval for a stunt like this. They're, they're very careful, normally. And I, I just watched this video of Nick Walenda walking across the falls last Monday afternoon. It's insane. It's insane. All the way across, he's fighting the, against these clouds of swirling mist that are in his face the entire time from every direction. Didn't matter which way he turned his face, the mist. If you've been to the falls, you know the mist just billows up. And the 25-minute walk across the Horseshoe Falls was breathtaking. Breathtaking. You could almost feel the miracle of balance on that tightrope. Well, folks, whether we realize it or not, we walk a spiritual tightrope every day, miraculously balancing our Christian liberty with Christ-like love. Christian liberty on the one hand, Christ-like love on the other. They need to be balanced. So what's at stake if we lose our balance and have a misstep? Well, we don't lose our salvation, certainly, but we do jeopardize the safety and well-being of other Christians. Romans 14, a couple of weeks ago, Phil uh, launched Romans 14, began a lengthy exhortation for believers to accept one another, and Paul's urgent appeal for that, uh, stronger brothers, weaker brothers alike, he, he appeals to us, and that appeal spills over into the passage that we're looking at today. Those who are strong in faith need to accept the weak. And those who are weak must not look down on those who exercise more liberty in the non-essential elements of their walk with God. Every believer needs to balance their, their Christian liberty and with Christ-like love. We need a balance of diversity and unity in the church. So how do we do that? We begin to walk the diversity-unity tightrope with four balanced phrases in mind. And here's the first one. Resolve not to be a source of stumbling. That actually comes right from the Bible. (laughs) Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So it's, it's evident from this verse that the brothers and sisters in the church at Rome to whom Paul is writing were indeed judging one another over things like dietary preferences. He says, Don't, let's not judge one another any longer. So we have this presupposition that that's in fact what was going on. 
One person eats anything and everything that she wants, while the weaker sister believes she should eat only vegetables. Paul wants them to stop passing judgment on one another when it involves such trivial or unimportant matters as meat and potatoes. Instead, he says, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the path of a brother or sister. Stop it, says Paul. Stop passing judgment on one another because it always leads to disunity and discord in the church. Have you ever experienced that before in the church? <laughs> Chuck Swindoll tells, us, tells a story about the time that he was preaching at a Bible conference. And on the very first night of the conference, a lovely couple came down to the front to meet him after the service. And he chatted with them for a few minutes. However, as the week went on, Swindoll noticed that this guy would fall asleep about 10 minutes into his sermon every single night for the whole week. Ten minutes in, the guy is gone. And so on the last night, when this couple came up to the front to talk to the pastor, um, he figured that she wanted to talk about her husband's lack of spiritual you know, interest in things. And so he was ready for the, you know, to give him the answer, give him, give him this. Imagine how greatly embarrassed Chuck Swindoll was when the wife mentioned that her husband had terminal cancer, and they had attended the conference mainly at his insistence. She said it was his final wish to be at this conference, and even though the pain medication that he was taking made him very, very drowsy, especially later in the evening. She said then that he loves the Lord, and you are his favorite Bible teacher, and he really, really, really wanted to be here to meet you and to hear you speak one last time. Swindoll later said, I stood there all alone, as deeply rebuked as I have ever been. What a dangerous thing it is to judge people. What a dangerous thing it is for us to judge one another in the church. Passing judgment on others has become the national pastime during COVID. Have you noticed that? It's the, it's the new national pastime. It's no longer hockey. It's no longer lacrosse, which, by the way, is our actual official national sport. It's judging one another. People judging people for wearing masks. People judging people for not wearing masks. People judging people for taking the vaccine. People judging people for not taking the vaccine. I mean, when we judge others, it becomes very easy for us to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the path of a brother or sister. Judgment leads to that. What's a stumbling block? Well, a stumbling block refers to something that is carelessly left around over which somebody might stumble and fall. An obstacle, on the other hand, is something that you purposely put in place to entrap someone. So you've got unwitting circumstances and on-purpose circumstances. We must determine not to be a witting cause or an unwitting cause of a weaker brother's or sister's stumbling as we exercise our so-called freedom. And then Paul gives the rationale behind it, verse 14. He says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, 
but it's unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. So Jesus said in Mark chapter 7 that nothing a man eats defiles him. Uh, food and drink have no moral qualities attached to them. They have no, they're morally neutral. But if for some reason you feel a certain food should not be eaten or a certain movie should not be watched and you do so, then, then you are sinning against God and, and headed for spiritual peril. There's that tightrope again. We need to balance freedom with love. Christian liberty with Christ-like love. Verse 15, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. It's not worth it. <clears throat> you win the argument, but lose the war. If you flaunt your freedom, if you insist on eating meat, regardless of the consequences to other people, then you're not walking in love. If you flaunt your freedom and insist on, insist on drinking beer at the men's barbecue at the church, you're not walking in love. If you deliberately shock your brother, your weaker brother or sister with a display of your Christian freedom, then you're not walking in love. Folks, Jesus died for us. And he forgave us. And he lifted us up out of the miry clay. And he breathed life into us. And he filled us with the Holy Spirit of God. So when you determine not to be a source of stumbling for your Christian brothers or sisters, you actually show people what God's grace looks like. You actually show them what God's love looks like. You put your own freedom on tap for the sake of brothers and sisters. That's what God does. That's the gospel on display, you see. Every believer needs to balance their Christian liberty with Christ-like love. Well, how do we do that? I have another phrase in mind. Live as citizens of the kingdom of God. Not only should we determine not to be stumbling blocks, we should decide positively to, to live like citizens of the kingdom of God. You know, we are children of the most high God, right? We're king's kids. I think there, were, there used to be an organization uh, called King's Kids when I, when I first came to know the Lord in 1716. Way back then. We're king's kids. We're, we're children of the most high God. So let's live like it. Here with finely tuned pastoral insight, Paul lifts the entire discussion that, that he's having with the church at Rome to a higher level than eating and drinking. It's not just about eating and drinking, he says. The kingdom of God, verse 17, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, this conversation has become a gospel concern. All of a sudden, it's a matter of the kingdom of God. It's not just about meat and potatoes anymore. The kingdom of God has nothing to do with what I wear to church or how I style my hair if I had any or what kind of music I prefer to listen to. The kingdom of God is not a matter mainly of externals. It is a matter of eternals. 
righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not mainly about wearing masks or not wearing masks. The kingdom of God is not mainly about getting the vaccine or refusing the vaccine. It's about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on. We're wasting our time. Ask me how I really feel about that. A kid was bullied at school because he told his friends that Jay Leno was his uncle. He's my second cousin twice removed, but this kid says Jay Leno was his uncle. He's not really. But when Jay Leno heard about this, I, somehow he got the news, he tracked the kid down and drove the kid to school in his Lamborghini. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? And he said, I, I got a letter one day from a kid saying he was in trouble because he told all his friends that I was his uncle and that we would go driving around in my Lamborghini. He wanted to know if I could give him a ride to school one day in my car. He said, I, I was so intrigued that I called the kid, spoke to his mother first, of course, and said, hey, why don't we do this next week? So I drove out to where the kid lived and picked him up. <laughs> then we waited until the opportune time when all the school buses were in front of the school and when all the kids were hanging out on the sidewalk, we pulled up and the doors go up to the sky like they do in a Lamborghini. And he gets out and says, hey, Uncle Jay, thank you. And he goes, okay, kid, I'll pick you up after school. And he said, we just I stood, sat there and watched all these kids with their jaw on the ground, you know. He said, it was hysterical. Jay Leno may not be your uncle, but the king of kings is your big brother. So let's start living like that. Huh? Focus more on the kingdom of God these days and a little less on the crazy details on the edge of COVID. Come on. Let's focus less on all this external stuff which seems to be pulling or pushing people away from the gospel. The gospel of God really ought to be our first concern, right? We're, 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 we're Christians. We're church people. That ought to be our first concern. Paul concludes his thought in verse 18. says, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. And others will like you too. <laughs> others will approve of you too. I, I really like that. I thought I was going to have to make up the, the Leno version, but the NLT uh, supports uh, my presupposition about this verse. <laughs> yeah, every believer needs to balance their Christian liberty with Christ-like love. We need to balance diversity and unity in the church. How do we do that? Here's another phrase to keep in mind. Pursue peace and mutual edification. Paul now repeats most of what he's already said, but he introduces the idea that we are to pursue the benefit of others in our exercise of Christian liberty. Our Christian liberty isn't just for us or about us. It's for and it's about other people, other believers, other Christians specifically. Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue, an interesting word, let's pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it's wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It's good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything 
that causes your brother to stumble. So in our, in our, in our exercise of Christian freedom or Christian liberty, we, we really should ask ourselves if what we're doing is building others up, is it edifying, is it building other people up, especially those who are younger and less experienced in the Christian faith. Hey, we just baptized six new believers. Are we not concerned about their growth and development? None of us would want to do anything that would destroy the work of God in their lives just because I'm free to do what I do. No, none of us would want to do that. We want to be careful, especially of, of newer believers. During the Second World War, when vessels had to be convoyed across the Atlantic for fear of German U-boats or submarines, um, they would proceed at the speed of the slowest ship so that they could all stay together. And that's kind of what Paul has in mind here. There are many times when we need to travel, we need to walk in Christ at the speed of the, the youngest, the, the, most, the newest believers, so that they don't get left behind, so that they don't get lost. Does that make sense? Pursue peace and mutual edification. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of your personal freedoms. I've never been, but I've heard in the city of Londonderry in Northern Ireland, it's so divided that Protestants live on the east bank of the river that goes through town, and the Catholics live on the west bank. And they just do not mix. They do not mix. Ten years ago, however, they built a footbridge across the river to encourage uh, walkers and joggers and cyclists to use the bridge. And uh, they named it the Peace Bridge because that's what they want to do. They want to build peace. They want to encourage people to, to mingle and, and pursue peace with one another. So instead of fighting over one another uh, about, about COVID or about the federal election or or anything else, let's build bridges. Let's build bridges. Let's pursue peace. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Every believer needs to balance their Christian liberty with Christ-like love. We need to balance diversity in our church, praise God that we have it, and unity also. We need to balance those. How do we do that? Well, here's yet another idea. Do not force your opinions on others. Time to go home. <laughs> this point was well made by Dr. Warren Wearsby, who was for many years the preaching pastor at the Moody Memorial Church in Chicago, where Patty and I attended when we were there. He's also an author and commentator, a radio host, a wonderful guy. And in reference to Romans 14.22, which says, The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Dr. Wiersbe says, There are certain truths that all Christians must accept because they are the foundation for the faith. But areas of honest disagreement must not be made a test of fellowship. If you have a sincere conviction from God about a matter... 
Keep it to yourself and don't try to force everybody to accept it. The Apostle Paul wrote, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Is that really what he means? Well, in this context, that opening phrase likely refers to the faith they had which allowed them to eat meat. And so he's saying to them that that freedom that you have to eat meat, that conviction that you have, just keep that between you and God. There's no need to force that on everybody else, especially the weaker brothers in Christ. Be careful. Be careful, he's saying. Don't flaunt it. Remember, others may not have the same freedom. Their, <clears throat> excuse me, their faith may be weaker or less informed or, or not quite as strong as yours. Again, it, it's a reminder for us not to boast about our freedom in the face of a weaker brother or sister. Keep it between yourself and God. If you have the faith to eat meat, then eat meat. You can even eat it rare if you want. I don't care. But walk in love. Walk in love. If your brother or sister is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. You're not. Pursue peace. Don't force your opinion on people. One of our staff members just pointed out this week, and I quote, We we have many people at the gathering who disagree on a variety of issues, but share the same love for the gospel, and therefore are happy, thank you, to remain in our church and disagree. Should I read that one more time? He said, we have many people at the gathering who disagree on a variety of issues, but share the same love for the gospel and therefore are happy to remain in our church and disagree. That kind of sounds like balancing Christian liberty and Christ-like love, doesn't it? Thank you, Jay. In the pursuit of peace and mutual upbuilding, nobody here is suggesting that you abandon all of your convictions or stop sharing your convictions with other people. But we should behave in a way that does not injure other people. It does no good to force your convictions on people. Does no good at all. I, I've had the experience myself where I've said to people, "Look, I don't want to talk about this anymore, please," and they just keep at you like like a dog on a bone. That's forcing your convictions, your your ideas, your thoughts on other people. If somebody says to you, "I'm I'm done here," can we talk about Jesus or can we talk about the latest Marvel movie or can we talk about? Pastor Phil's beard or something, you know? See, as, as Dr. Wiersbe said, there are certain truths that all Christians must accept because they're their foundation to the faith, right? We believe in God the Father Almighty. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. We believe that Jesus is both God and man. We believe in the incarnation, the virgin birth, the sanctity of life, the deity of Christ, the inspiration of Scripture. We believe all those things, and we must because that's what the Bible teaches. Certain truths that we all believe... But there are areas of honest disagreement that should not become a condition of fellowship. If complete agreement or ideological uniformity is is in fact a a condition of, of friendship or fellowship, then I will die a very lonely man. And so will you. See? 
as, as, as Phil reminded us just two weeks ago, in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity or love. Do not murder, do not lie, do not sleep with your neighbor's wife. These are essential biblical absolutes that we all agree on. The length of your hair, the model and make of the car you drive, the Bible translation that you read, the style of music you listen to. (gasps) You like new country? Are you really saved? Now, (laughs) I'm trying to use a little humor because the tension is pretty thick in here. You may have personal convictions about these things. You may have. But but see, convictions are things that can be be supported by, by Scripture. And the make and model of the car you drive, I don't know what chapter and verse you're going to tune to for that. Uh, The style of music that you like to listen to, psalms, hymns, and spirits, okay, you might have a point there. Uh, But listen, you may have personal convictions about these things and many other things, but they are most likely personal preferences and not gospel absolutes. Convictions are strengthened by knowledge, but knowledge must be balanced by love. Otherwise, it tears down instead of building up. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. 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 That's good advice. And we can add that bit of wisdom to the wisdom that comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul in Romans 14. And maintain our balance between Christian liberty and Christ-like love till Jesus comes back. Let's pray. Dear Father, oh, we need you desperately. In this very hour, we need you to send the Holy Spirit upon our church, upon our city, our nation, As we go to the polls tomorrow, we need your Holy Spirit's power to infect and lift up and motivate and inspire the church. Lord, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song that invites your spirit into the very center of all we do and all we say. Holy Spirit, come abide within May your joy be seen in all we do. Love enough to cover every sin in each thought and deed and attitude. Kindness to the greatest and the least. Gentleness that sows the path of peace. Oh, God, would you please, please turn our strivings into works of grace. Breathe, oh God, show Christ in all we do. Breath of God, show Christ in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray.